Welcome to In Layman's Terms, a podcast dedicated to discipleship and putting scripture to use in our daily lives. I'm your host, Todd Seifert. I'm the Communications Director for the Great Plains Conference of the United Methodist Church, comprised of approximately 1,000 churches in Kansas and Nebraska. As the title of this podcast suggests, I'm not ordained clergy, so what I share comes to you in layman's terms. I have more than 20 years of experience teaching the Bible to everyone from teens to 90-somethings, and I'm excited to share what Scripture has to say to us in today's society, and I love to tell stories of how people live their faith. Some episodes focus on a person or church doing great things to serve as the hands and feet of Christ. Some episodes include interviews with experts who can help us along our faith journey. And other episodes include some short reflections on Scripture. Thank you for joining me. Let's start with some truth on this first Sunday of Advent. I had planned to take a little time off from the podcast, but then Reverend Andrea Beyer invited me to preach via video for her congregation in Clay Center, Kansas. She's using the Discipleship Ministry series this Advent season as the basis for her messages on the coming of the Christ child. And I have to admit that I struggled a little bit. We start off with talking about a second coming, not of a baby being born in Bethlehem. It seemed to me that an Easter approach to Christmas was, well, kind of off. But the more I dug into the text chosen for that sermon, a scripture from Matthew that we'll hear in a moment, my eyes were open to the why behind those choices. Yes, this season is about a baby being born, a savior for all humankind. But too often we forget the why behind the baby's arrival. Well, at least I do. I mean, we recognize Jesus as a savior, but sometimes we forget to make that sacrifice on the cross a key part of our Christmas celebration. And I understand why. I mean, pain and ridicule and death are no cause for celebration, right? Or are they? Actually, I guess they are, at least for sinners like me. Anyway, after recording that sermon for Clay Center, I realized something else. If I were to boil that message down to a single word, it would be hope. And coincidentally, hope is the key word for the first week of Advent. Now, I didn't find the other Advent weeks of that Discipleship Ministry series to match up to the other Advent themes of peace, joy, and love. Maybe somebody with seminary training can, I just couldn't. So I decided to start reading the Gospels for myself again with those particular words in mind. And what came of it is this series of podcasts. So I invite you to take a journey with me. A journey through what I think are some important messages in Matthew, Luke, and John. And in particular, we'll focus on those four themes of Advent. We'll talk about hope. We'll talk about peace. We'll talk about joy and love. But like I said, today, we're going to start with that first one. Hope. And all of them will be looked at through the lens of why this baby, this precious begotten Son of God, came to earth in the first place. Change. That's certainly one of the nicer words we could use to describe 2020. We've changed how we go out. We wear masks. We've changed how we worship. Most of us online. We've even changed how we eat. 
For most of us, we eat out less, we carry out more, and we're enjoying more home cooking, which at least for me is one of the beneficial parts about 2020. My waistline's a little smaller. And absolutely none of it was expected this time last year. Oh, we had heard about a virus overseas, but that wasn't an issue in the United States. It was literally an ocean away. And while we certainly should have been concerned with people dying in Wuhan, China, and other areas of Asia, the problem wasn't on American soil. We were complacent. We were focused only on our own here and now. But of course, a truly global economy means global travel, global shipments, and paths for people and things like viruses to come into our midst. America has lots of examples of complacency, with the attack on 9-11 and the Pearl Harbor attack in 1941 being two of the prime examples. But there are a lot of other less dramatic examples of complacency setting in. When our ordinary lives and the comfort in those lives cause someone to flat out miss the seriousness or importance of something, we can draw some examples from the world of business. One of them is Tower Records. Tower Records was a company that was known for innovation. It sold records, tapes, and then CDs. It sold video games, all kinds of electronic gadgets, and even toys. And it was among the first to stand up against piracy of music products online. Unfortunately, it was so caught up in the fight against Napster and other pirate softwares that it failed to put the concept of online music streaming to use on its behalf. It didn't see the hope and the benefit. And so eventually, iTunes and others took Tower Records' market share, and they took it in huge chunks. Tower Records went bankrupt in 2004. Another example is Kodak. Known for its film, Kodak actually developed one of the very first digital cameras. And it developed some of the technology necessary to allow for cameras to be reduced to the sizes needed to allow for use in cell phones. So, in effect, we use some of Kodak's technology even today. Unfortunately, Kodak failed to market these creations widely, mostly because it feared that it would harm its primary product line, that film. I guess we know how that one turned out. Kodak went bankrupt in 2012. But maybe the best example, one that we can recognize a little more easily, is Blockbuster Video. At its peak, Blockbuster had more than 9,000 stores across the United States. Think about that for a second. 9,000 stores in just 50 states. It was known for its vast volume of movies and even video games. You could go to the store and rent VHS tapes or CDs and eventually Blu-ray discs. In 2000, an upstart company known as Netflix approached Blockbuster with a proposal. It wanted to sell Blockbuster all of its assets. Now, if memory serves, the asking price was about $50 million. It's pretty steep for a company that, at that point, had yet to make a profit. But it had a vision. Blockbuster just could not see it. It didn't see the hope. It didn't see the innovation on the horizon. So Blockbuster turned it down. It didn't see the rise of streaming services on that horizon. And of course, streaming is incredibly prevalent today. Blockbuster is not. Blockbuster went bankrupt in 2010. 
these companies didn't recognize the opportunity for a new beginning. They didn't see the hope for their industries based on innovation, on new things coming. Complacency caused people to fail to notice critical bits of information that would have helped sustain them. They didn't see the hope that these new opportunities provided. And that is the focus, at least in a way, of this scripture, this first weekend of Advent. So hear these words from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 24, verses 36 through 44. I'll be reading from the Common English Bible. If you want to follow along, Matthew is the first book of what Christians call the New Testament, and you'll find it about two-thirds of the way back in most Bibles. Or simply go to BibleGateway.com and you can find it easily there. Nobody knows when that day or hour will come, not the heavenly angels and not the Son. Only the Father knows. As it was in the time of Noah, so it will be at the coming of the human one. In those days before the flood, people were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, until the day Noah entered the ark. They didn't know what was happening until the flood came and swept them all away. The coming of the human one will be like that. At that time there will be two men in a field. One will be taken and the other left. Two women will be grinding at the mill. One will be taken and the other left. Therefore, stay alert. You don't know what day the Lord is coming. But you understand that if the head of the house knew at what time the thief would come, he would keep alert and wouldn't allow the thief to break into his house. Therefore, you also should be prepared, because the human one will come at a time you don't know. Like I said, it's kind of an odd scripture to kick off Advent, isn't it? Normally, this is a time of anticipation of Christmas. It's a time of joy. And boy, don't we need some joy right now with all that's going on in this world. But as we read this passage, we're hit head-on with scripture that inflicts a little, well, trepidation. It makes us a bit nervous, because instead of the joy of an impending birth, we're talking about judgment. It's pretty heavy this time of year. Usually we're talking about Santa Claus, sugary treats, and twinkly lights. Shepherds, wise men... Gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Not judgment. But what I hope to help you understand today is that these really aren't words to fear. This isn't a passage about doom and gloom. Instead, I would argue these words provide us with, well, with hope. Hope for ourselves. Hope for our futures. Hope for all of humanity. Let's start by exploring the context of this passage. Jesus is, indeed, teaching about his second coming and the judgment that all will face someday. Now, the connotation in Christian circles, for those unfamiliar with the theology, is that Jesus will come back someday to issue the final judgment, when his believers will join him in a heavenly kingdom. But again, these verses really aren't meant to be doom and gloom. Just as Jesus did throughout his three years of ministry on earth, he's simply teaching the people. He's teaching about how to get their lives straightened out and why they should do that. He's teaching that nobody knows when the time will come. And then Jesus gives us an analogy that everyone can relate to. That's the way he taught in parables and stories that people could gather meaning from because they would understand it because that was the way that they lived their lives. If the resident of a home knows that a thief is coming, you're not just going to sit there and rest, are you? No, you're going to sit up all night. 
you're going to do whatever is necessary to thwart the thief's actions. The lesson is fairly easy to grasp. Jesus is telling us we have to be prepared at all times. Now I've got to confess, so I grew up a Baptist. And so I heard a lesson like this every week. If you've traveled in parts of Kansas and Nebraska, you've no doubt seen the billboards yourself with the message that I'm about to share. It's a question. If you were to die tonight, do you know where you would go? Now, sometimes we shy away from that question in the United Methodist Church. I'm not really sure why. We are, after all, called to make disciples, both to make life on earth better for all because we're teaching about loving our neighbors, but we're also called to nurture the souls of people in preparation for eternity. It's one of the basic reasons Jesus came, and yet we don't talk about it all that often. I'm a little puzzled as to why. But again, what does this have to do with Advent? Well, again, we need to start by examining Jesus' words. I think he's trying to teach or remind us of two very important things. First, we tend to look at judgment as the end of our lives, when really Jesus is telling us that this is a new, hope-filled beginning. In other words, there is something bigger, better, and brighter than what we have here on earth. And second, I think Jesus is reminding us that he came to earth in the first place for a reason. He came to reconcile all of us to God. He came to eliminate the chasm created by our sin. In the book of Genesis, the very first book of the Bible, we read that God was physically in the Garden of Eden with the first humans. But they disobeyed. And God simply can't be present at the same time and in the same place as sin. So a huge space was created between God and humankind. You want the Cliff's Notes version of the Bible? Genesis 1 and 2 are about creation. Genesis 3 is about us messing up. And then Genesis chapter 4 through the end of Revelation chapter 22, the span of the rest of the entire Bible. God is at work trying to reconcile humankind with their Creator. But we have to take the steps. God just provides the means to do it. Anyway, as Jesus often did, he provided some very vivid descriptions to help illustrate his point. He uses the example of Noah before the flood. Specifically, the people around Noah before the flood. It says people were eating and drinking. They were marrying the people they loved. In short, they were living their lives. They didn't see beyond their day-to-day -day existence. They were complacent. They didn't see any kind of hope in something bigger and better. A relationship with God. That's what was happening when the flood hit, as recorded in Genesis chapters 6 through 9. And that's how it's going to be again when Jesus comes back. He promises in the scripture. People will be eating and drinking. They'll be marrying the people they love. They'll be complacently living their lives. And you know what? That's exactly what was going on at the turn of the first century AD, when there was a call for a census in ancient Palestine. You see, the Roman Empire was expanding and it had conquered what had been Israel. And Rome had put in place a governor, and that governor basically had one job. Keep the peace. And despite the Roman leadership slash tyranny, the chosen people of God, the Jews, lived their lives just as people did before that flood. They lived in homes built with combinations of wood and stone. 
usually with a compacted dirt floor. Education came from itinerant teachers, known as rabbis. Water came from wells, unless you lived in that rare city that had aqueducts. If you were poor, your standard meal was usually a bread and fish. On special occasions, you might have beef and eggs. And for light, you had candles and oil lamps. These folks lived their lives. Don't get me wrong, they were hoping for the long-promised Messiah. The person who was going to deliver the people of Israel. The prophets of old had promised this Messiah for a long, long time. But the people didn't have a lot of hope that such a person was going to come anytime soon. It was into this environment at this time, somewhere on our calendar what we would call 4 B.C. to 2 B.C., in a little backwater town called Bethlehem, a man betrothed to a young virgin woman ends up there for a census, and a baby is born in a stable. Now make no mistake, it's the virgin part, Mary, that makes this such a miracle. And it's the point that this baby is the begotten Son of God that makes this a once-in-history moment. But otherwise, when you think about it, this is just a normal occurrence. It's a cause for complacency. A woman gives birth to a baby, something that literally has happened billions of times in the history of the world. And remember, the people in Mary's hometown aren't going to see any shepherd's visit. There's no pomp and circumstance. There's no reason for most people to think this baby is anything special. Well, beyond the normal wonder that comes with these cute, lovable little people coming into our lives. They didn't have the anticipation then that we do today, during these first few weeks of Advent. Like Tower Records, like Kodak, like Blockbuster, the people then were complacent. They didn't see the hope on the horizon through the birth of this baby. I pray that we don't become like that. We know Jesus is coming. Like that thief Jesus used in his example, the people then didn't know his arrival was imminent. But we do know that his second coming could be at any time. Could be today, could be tomorrow, next week, next year, a century from now, a thousand years from now. We don't know, but we know that it's happening. It's coming at some point. The people back then didn't know that this baby was the Messiah that they had been praying for, at this point, for generations. They didn't know that this was their new beginning. They didn't know that this was their hope. And they didn't know that this new hope was there here and now. So if they didn't recognize the opportunity for a new beginning, the introduction of hope into their world, how can we? After all, the people of that time, just for example in Mary's hometown, they did have expectations for a Messiah, a Deliverer to come. But they didn't know exactly what to expect or when. Now they were kind of expecting a king. Uh, they were probably expecting someone who could be a warrior that would help conquer and throw the shackles of the Romans off of them, but that's not what they got. But there was the anticipation that that Messiah was coming. So they knew what it was, at least in a way, but they didn't know when, and they didn't know exactly what it was going to look like. And doesn't that sound a lot like 2020? I mean, if ever there was a year to expect the unexpected, Lord knows this is it. We've gotten to the point where we expect other things to happen. We just don't know what it's going to be, and frankly, we're a little scared to find out what it might be. And we don't know when it's going to happen. 
Luckily, Jesus tells us what we're supposed to do in today's scripture. And thankfully, his instructions are actually pretty simple. He tells us, first of all, we've got to stay alert. We've got to pay attention to the world around us. And we have to be open and prepared to experience the hope. And we can pay attention in many ways, but I think the simplest way is to ask several questions. Who needs to experience love today? Who is sick? Who lacks food? Who is thirsty? Who lacks clothing? Who is in prison, either behind actual bars or maybe just in their homes, isolated? These are the people this Advent season who need to see the new opportunities found in Jesus. That means they need to see Jesus in you. They need to see Jesus in me. That means you and me showing love to all people in these most stressful of times. These people need to see hope, the hope that comes with a relationship with Jesus Christ. Maybe you know someone who lacks hope today. The coming of a baby who will grow to be a savior willing to die for them may be the message they need to hear this Advent and Christmas season. Maybe you are that person. Between a pandemic, even more examples of racial injustice, and a still contentious election, and all kinds of other factors. It can be overwhelming. I get it. My message for you today is that there is hope. We know Jesus is coming, first as a baby, which we start to celebrate this day. We know he came to provide the gift of salvation for all of us. The salvation from judgment in that story that Jesus shared with us today. Indeed, we don't know when Jesus is coming the second time. But we know we celebrate his first arrival at Christmas. And that's a pretty darn good way to get started in this preparation for his second coming. So remember today that we have hope. Hope thanks to a baby born long ago who grew into a man who still wants to build a relationship with each and every one of us. And there's no reason to be complacent about that. If you have an Advent wreath, this is the day to light the first candle, the candle of hope. And don't worry if you don't have an Advent wreath, just light a single candle for a few moments and meditate. As that candle burns, remember that you have hope in something far greater than this current life. You have hope because a baby was born in Bethlehem long ago. A baby that came with a purpose. To draw you closer to him and to the one true God who created and continues to love you. I hope that truth provides you with some hope today. Next time, we'll explore how it also can bring you peace. Until then, may the coming Christ uplift you with hope. Terms is a podcast sponsored by the Great Plains Conference of the United Methodist Church and by me, your host, Todd Seifer. 
If you liked what you heard in this episode, please go rate us and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you're listening. It helps other people find us. And please, if you feel so inclined, share us on Facebook or other social media. Our music comes via a licensed subscription with FirstCom Music. You can find archived podcasts on my website, toddcypher.com, or via a link on the conference website, greatplainsumc.org slash podcasts. Feel free to email me any questions or suggestions to tcypher at greatplainsumc.org, and I'll do my best to respond as quickly as possible. Thanks again for listening, and until next time, please do what you can to help make more disciples of Jesus Christ. You can play a small part in helping change a life.